comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audiblechild.com slash outnowpodcast. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your Android, iPhone, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking Unbroken, Into the Woods, Big Eyes, The Gambler, and The Interview. Man, that's a, that's a big marathon. Too big for my eyes. <laughs> Wait a minute, I forgot my introduction. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hola! Out Now is a film podcast with Abe and I discussing new movies weekly. However, every now and then we have these special bonus episodes, whether it be one of our fun commentaries or something else. And this is something else. This is uh, just going to be a collection of film reviews for the various movies that have come out over the holiday season here. Um, a lot, like, like at least five movies came out, not to mention ones that are in limited release, and we figured why not just have an episode where we can focus on a lot of these different releases rather than spend a whole lot of time on one movie with stuff around that. So yeah, no other segments this week as we normally do, no trailer talk, no no everybody, no at no quickies. It's almost like we're button Abe, just for the movie review. Abe. Yes? I said no out now quickies. TM? That's better. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um... This guy over here. Um, Sorry. <laughs> 175 episodes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about a lot of the main movies of the week. We have um, we have Unbroken, Into the Woods, Big Eyes, The Gambler, and of course the very controversial The Interview. And uh, joining us to discuss a number of these movies we have from Fast Film Reviews, now out of the woods. It's Mark Hoban. Hi everyone. And from a dirty alleyway after being sent back from the future, it's Jordan Kraut. Hello! How are you both doing? Very good. How has, how have your holidays been so far? Busy. Relaxing. Oh. <laughs> Total opposite. Spectrums. Was he sent back in a giant ball, too? Like yes. That, yeah, that's what I meant. That was, that's oh, what I was yeah. referring to. What year? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Let me get some Nikes! That's my favorite Michael Bean line in that movie. What year? I love that line. <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah. We're just going to jump straight into it, guys. We have a lot of movies here, and um, we're just going to talk about each of them, because I know, I know I've seen all of these movies, I know Mark has seen a lot of these movies, and, and uh, Jordan has seen a lot of these movies, and Abe has seen one of these movies, but he's still going to be a welcome presence on this podcast, because it's exactly. not out there to Abe. Because <laughs> I made it from yeah. the bottom. Yeah, exactly. So, let's start off. Let's go into the first film right now. It is Unbroken. We're going to die out here. We're not dying! So you think there's some kind of grand plan? Why do we live on the other's thing? I got good news and bad news. You are enemies of Japan. You will be treated accordingly. Welcome, sort of. We have an Olympic athlete in all camp. Look at me. You're nothing. Okay, so that should have been some of the trailer for Unbroken. 
I'm just going to read the IMDb thing because it's so much easier sometimes. Sure. After a near-fatal plane crash in the in World War II, Olympian Louis Zamperini spends a harrowing 47 days in a raft with two fellow crewmen before he's caught by the Japanese Navy and sent to a prisoner of war camp. This one has been directed by Angelina Jolie. It's based on a true story adapted by Warren Hillenbrand, who wrote uh, Sea Biscuit among other books. Um, the film has been adapted by the Coen brothers, among others. So we have four screenwriters. Uh, a, a popular movie star directing, a big cast, an epic sweeping story, seems geared up to win every possible Oscar you'd think of. Mark Hoban, what'd you think of Unbroken? I I liked Unbroken. Um, I didn't love it. And uh, I think there is a lot to recommend. I mean, you mentioned the, all the screenwriters, and it's got Angelina jo- Jolie directing. And she does uh, take this subject, and she definitely has passion behind it. I think it is an admirable story, for sure. Um, it's also got uh, a beautiful score by Alexandra Desplat. Desplat. And, it, and it's also got cinematography by Roger Deakins. So, I mean, all around, this is a, it's a quality production. And I think it's sort of like three parts. There's the first part where he's at war, the second when they're adrift in a boat, and then third when they're taken captive uh, by the Japanese. And I think it... It, it starts out really good. I like the aerial photography of the B-24 bombers in flight, and I think that was really interesting. It flashes back to an earlier time in his life, and we get to see snapshots of his life. I enjoyed all that. Once they are drift at sea, I think it's, it's still mildly interesting, but not quite as much. And then it kind of loses its way at the end where he gets taken um, captive. And that was my least favorite section. Um, I think it's a very like informative movie i could totally see like a classroom showing this to students in order to teach them about this guy um but it it was a kind of a a more of a didactic story i it wasn't something that i really embraced so while i i'm glad that i saw it it, it's not something that i would like highly recommend as like one of the year's best would would you say that teachers could show this film to class to classes so they can teach them how to louis teach them teach them how to louis um sure okay (laughs) i'm not sure what i'm not sure what that is but don't don't worry they they got it um (laughs) abe what did you think of unbroken so like mark i think that there was a competent uh or i'm I'm sorry it was a it was a large project and a large undertaking but uh, i didn't really find the moving the movie very moving and i didn't really find the movie very um I guess uh, as comprehensive as it could have been or as showing the, the depths of despair as it could have shown it uh, and also the rise uh, and the, the very nature of the film, or I'm sorry, the title, to, to be unbroken uh, as well as it could have. In terms of the project itself, I thought about it when I was watching it. There was a lot of people on set, so there's a lot of extras, there's a lot of, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, sets and whatever else. And I think that you know Angelina Jolie, as a director for this huge project, Good job by you for putting this all together and thinking about you know what you wanted and whatever else. I think the visuals are pretty good, um, but the story itself is just sort of. It's not that it's really empty, but it's it's kind of uh, rings a little bit shallow, um, and that's just because you have all these these moments in which you know Louis is here and whatever else, um, and you don't really get a sense of I guess the emotional turmoil that he may be going through and uh, some of the the. Whatchamacallit, uh, trials that he may be facing. Uh, one of the best things I did like about it is the ocean scene because it shows you just, you know, how long they were out there and what they had to do to survive and, um, uh, I guess death 
and how it comes to some of these folks. And it's uh, it's quite tragic. Uh, but then when he gets to the, pr- uh, the prisoner of war camp, um, there's like this tension between he and one of the, the sergeants in charge. And um, I kind of wish that they had maybe talked about that a little or I guess delved into more of that. Um, just because uh, there are some bits and pieces here and there that the Japanese uh, sergeant says about why he doesn't really like Louis as much because he's got a strong personality just like him. And uh, I kind of wish they would go more into that and also just more into showing me how isolated and how alone he may have felt. Um, but yeah, on the whole, it, it, it does look pretty good. Um, and this is kind of a pretty neat thing that Angelina Jolie has put together, but uh, I just didn't feel as though it was a, an effective uh, story. I'm basically on the same page with you guys where I don't, I, I want to like it more, but the movie seems to want to not like have me like it as much as it should be liked because it's it's a handsome production, no doubt. Like it certainly, you know, looks especially for being PG thirteen, it still manages to show you a lot of you know, stuff that's hard for people to go through. Um which I don't know exactly if that says, you know, Christmas Day family should go see unbroken thing, but at the same time it's like this is a you know, it's a harrowing story and good on them for attempting something like this. Where the problem for me comes in is there's more interesting stuff that happens to Louis after the war, and I feel like a a better movie could have worked that in as opposed to kind of stopping where the basically halfway into where the book goes, and you know obviously you know the rest of his actual life where there's i I've seen this I've seen this movie already I've seen the movie of a guy getting captured and going through some stuff I haven't seen necessarily a movie of what happened next, which is basically p t s d for Louis He dealt with a lot of stuff following the trials and tribulations of being in a prisoner of war camp after being crashed after you know uh, fighting against in the in in the bombers and everything like there's there's more stuff that happened to him and rather than flashing back to his Olympian days, I'd rather see flash forwards to him as an older person and how he dealt with these things and now it's it's difficult for me to say, you know, the movie should have been this because that's not fair. The movie is what it is. And so judging right. the movie by what it is, I agree with you guys. It doesn't seem that like as as well made as it is. It doesn't seem to have, I guess, the passion that really goes behind it to make you really care for this struggle more than just kind of on the surface. Like, yeah, Louis going through a lot here. Jack O'Connell. He's he, he he puts in a good performance as as Louis Zamperini. Like good job on him. You can certainly see he's going through some stuff here. There's a lot of difficult challenges you're put through when you know you're in a prisoner at war camp or lost at sea with you know sharks nipping at your heels every step of the way. But there's not much more to it than that. It's just it, it just doesn't it just feels it feels like kind of empty, like you guys have said. And for that reason, it's like yeah, it just feels kind of like a, a stock biopic with no real chances taken. Like regardless of, you know, how well put together it is. And I think, like, the opening scene with the bombers, like, in the the, the aerial battle they're having, that's the highlight of the movie for me. That's an, an excellent scene. You know, yeah. It presents things that I haven't necessarily seen that way before, and it's just really dynamic, and there's a lot of really interesting action going on. But everything else, it's just like, yeah, all right. That's, here, then he does this, and he does that, and he does this, and, you know. It's here. very episodic. It, yeah, it feels episodic. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, and... It, it like and just the amount of stuff he, like it's a good thing this is a true story because otherwise it'd just be such a parody of this kind of thing if it wasn't because it's like this guy went through so much stuff right and I almost I almost want to see like the Zucker Brothers version of that movie just to see what that'd be like but as it stands yeah it's like yeah it's a it's a decent biopic but not much else 
By the way, Aaron, I mean, they did go through the PTSD thing by writing one sentence. Yeah, they wrote a sentence on the screen at the very end. I mean, after years of going through PTSD, he finally gave or was forgiving of the Japanese who who interned. uh, Yeah, it was one sentence. And, you know, honestly, like, I guess it's a credit to the movie that I wasn't, like, I wasn't bored or tired by it by the end because it is a long movie. But I was like, but I was thinking... When are we going to get to the, I didn't know where it was going to end, so I was like, when are we going to get to the other stuff? It's like, like, is there like another hour? that I, Has it been moving that quickly? So like, good on, I guess, like, I, did you guys feel a slack in pace at all? Because I, I guess I didn't, because I was ready to see more. But I, I, I felt slack in pace just after, uh, honestly, like after they got picked up by the uh, Japanese at sea. I thought that uh, it moved uh, through the, the, the movie. I, I, I wasn't bored by it. It, it's it's an ordeal though. Like I mean, after oh, for you sure. yeah. see it all, you're you, like you're saying it's almost like, and then this bad thing happened, and then he escapes that, and then this bad thing happened. It's like, you know, by the end you're like, oh gosh, I want some relief from all of this. It, he needs something good needs to happen in you know, in his life. And I guess the way the film climaxes, which is basically the poster image, that's like the climax of the film. Um, I guess I should have seen it coming that it was going to end pretty soon, but I was just like. I'm ready for a little more. I'm like, what else is going to go on with Bluey? <laughs> <laughs> My life with Bluey. I'm enjoying this. Let's do it. <laughs> to get to, like, kind of the the, the actors involved and whatnot, sure. like, it's a... I, I think Jack O'Connell does a good job. I mentioned that I... And I know, Mark, you've seen this movie as well. I saw Startup recently, which stars Jack O'Connell. It's about him as a as a prison inmate in, a, in England. And... That's a much better movie in terms of what he's giving to it. But he's, you know, he's he's fine here. And there's, you know, a supporting cast like Domino Gleason's about sorry about times Domino Gleason's here. Thank you. <laughs> uh, uh, Tron Legacies Garrett Headland. Yes, thank you. And and um, a good day to die hard's Jai Courtney all feature. I, I would have gone for Jack Reacher, but. <laughs> and you have a uh, Takamasa Ishihara as uh, the bird as Watanabe. Uh, did you guys like that performance the, of him, the the bird character? I thought I, it was all right. Go ahead. Yeah. I didn't care for it. I I yeah. found his personality kind of odd, and I I didn't know who he was. And then later I I found out that he was a Japanese pop singer, and that kind of made oh, really? sense. <laughs> he's see he's he's and he Google him. He's like very flamboyant, like lots of uh, costumes and stuff. I I kind of felt like I could sort of sense that his uh, performance was very contemporary. And so I didn't, I don't know, and maybe that's the way the guy really was. I just didn't seem, I didn't really quite understand, you sort of touched on this, Abe, why he took such a dislike to him. Okay, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's he's strong-willed, but I'm sure there's lots of strong-willed people in this prison. Why did he single this guy out? And and there's this sort of relationship that they have at the end, you know, that's really antagonistic. And I didn't really, I mean, I get it, like, one's, they're in prison, so it's, I understand why they're, it's, he's not treating him well, but maybe more about why he took an instant dislike to this guy. And I mean, you know, there's grueling scenes. Yeah. I mean, I think the argument to that is we're only seeing it from Louis's perspective, like the whole movie is through his eyes. And while that doesn't, that doesn't take away from what you think of the performance of the actor going against him. We only see what we know is what he, or what we believe to know is what he went through. Like, and if, if, you know, apparently his story involved this horrible person that tortured him, and maybe he tortured other. I don't know. Maybe he tortured other people. We only see it through Louis's eye. I, like, uh, that's a good point. And you know, I don't fault it. Again, it it kind of was like our God, our Exodus Gods and Kings uh, review, where it's like you can't say that. Oh, well, the Bible should have written this about this person, and they should have filmed it this way. It's just more. It's a true story, and it is from his perspective. Um, I, I mean, I, that, that there's the, a, I think uh, a little more leeway with Exodus because it's you know 
there's stories. <laughs> but for this, uh, the Japanese sergeant, I, I thought that it was okay. It was just, I wish that they had, um, maybe made the, some of the scenes with him a little bit more tense in terms of, you know, hey, this guy is such a havoc on Louis's brain that, you know, aside from the part where he's coming down the steps and Louis sort of passes out for a half a second, I mean, that was just like, it was just very passable in terms of showing uh, how much this person, Louis, loathed seeing this person well, i think the like, weird the weird thing is that it's trying to bet ba- and it's trying to balance like the, the movie it the tone of the film is grueling like you're it's not you know there's not it's not making way for humor or whatnot it's just it's just it presents yeah. to you this kind of grueling situation again and again because of all the stuff he goes through and then you have this basically the liveliest performance in the movie is the guy that's torturing louis and it's like with all that awkward sexual tension too. All pretty, I mean, kind of in a sense. Yeah. Like, it's like why won't you just break? That's like whoa, 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 guys. But uh, I mean, the movie. I mean, it's. But, it, uh, what it, what did you think of his performance, uh, Aaron? I. I thought it was it was a good performance for a different movie. Like I feel like the the movie we're watching, which is you know unrelenting in the, the drama that we're seeing unfold and, you know, the, 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 tor- the essentially torture that he's going through it. There's a, I think there's a way to play that kind of character type that wouldn't be as, I guess, not necessarily over the top, but just the way he's doing it. Like Mark, you mentioned that he, he you can kind of, you can see how a pop star, you can see that it was basically a pop star playing this role. You can kind of see through the, see through the lines or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it was um, nowhere. It was nowhere near this, campy but i mean like javier bardem in skyfall that's extreme but it it bordered on that like and i just didn't feel like that was right for world war ii yeah and that i mean that he's a bond villain so it fits to be that way and this character playing basically a bond villain in in you know the unbroken biopic yeah it doesn't it doesn't match up necessarily with what i think the tone of the movie is as far as the actor's performance is concerned like he's i did not believe him (laughs) <laughs> it just, it's, right. it just, it yeah, does. I mean, it's not about, it's not about, like, believability, per se, it's just more of, man, I kind of uh, don't really understand where he's coming from, and uh, granted, it's a POW camp, the guy's in charge, he's gonna be a dick to everybody, because, again, he's on the, the, the rival side, this, right? This is the other thing that gets to it, though, there's, because, it's something, things like that, it indicates how there's, there's no real, I guess, like, identity for this movie, there's no real, like, pizzazz, there's no real extra edge that Jolie's bring into this movie beyond competent direction. Like it's yeah, it there's I not much personality where, to it. I mean, yeah, and I think that's the part where I said like, it kind of rings a little shallow and like you brought this up too, which is it kind of is like your standard out of the box biopic, which is unfortunate, right? There's no like, wow, Angelina Jolie really, like they, they really did this. And one thing is one of the movies I was thinking of when I watched this movie was uh, rescue Dawn. Um, yeah. With uh, Christian Bale. And it's like, dude, Christian Bale went through a ton of crap. And like uh, Werner Herzog really lets you feel like the uh, the intense uh, what the what we call it um, like those those ghostly conversations he has with Steve Zahn. It's like it's really unnerving to some degree. Uh, whereas this is like you know he's in a he's in a, a solitary confinement prison uh, with Dominic Gleason or Domino Gleason in the next cell, um, and you just don't really feel the, the same sorts of tensions that you felt or the same sorts of like uh, regrets or I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but there was just much more in um, Rescue Dawn than there was here. And again, it, they're both based on true stories. Um, I mean, Rescue Dawn, just... which I love and I tend to say is Christian Bale's best performance. I, I mean, that movie, 
it has its identity and it sticks with it the whole way through, I think. I don't think it really compromises at any point of what it's trying to do. Whereas, I think, yeah, Unbroken, just it's a, it's an assemblage of things that, like, they look good. Like, they, they right. people are yeah. acting well. And, it, you know, I mean, Deacons is shooting it, so it looks like a great Deacons movie. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of great things about it. Just it all adds up to this kind of regular biopic that we got to see. Yeah. Anyway, we have, like, three other movies. We got to I, yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> More than that. Um, so, um, all right, I'll, so I'll see you later. <laughs> Jordan, come back! Don't time uh, travel in 2040s. With that in mind, I mean, I... As far, as far as as far as seeing the movie goes, like I I don't begrudge anyone for seeing Unbroken, let alone enjoying it in a theater. Like I think it's a it's a it's a good enough production to be like if you're gonna if like the family or the older folks are gonna go see Unbroken in a theater, that's I, that's I wouldn't not recommend that. I think it's you know it's it's worth seeing on a big screen. I think it has enough good looking visuals to warrant something like that, especially in current if you've seen you know all the other movies that Abe and Mark and I and Jordan have you know given lots of praise to in the past few weeks yeah. i mean there's i i think this is you know it's fine to see is that fair is that a fair assessment guys I would agree yeah i would give it a yeah. mild recommendation but not i would not exhort people to go out and see it okay yeah okay well with that in mind let's head um out of the war and into the woods go to the wood and bring me back a cow as white as milk these beans carry magic the cape as red as blood. Oh dear, how uneasy I feel. The hair as yellow as corn. The slipper as pure as gold. Go to the wood! Alright, so that should have been some of the trailer for Into the Woods. This is the new Disney musical adapted from a Stephen Sondheim production. Uh, sorry, Steve well, Zahn and James Lapine. I want to give credit to where credit's due. Um, it's directed by Rob Marshall of Chicago fame, among other things, like that wonderful Pirates of the Caribbean movie we all talk about all the time. <laughs> um, it stars Meryl Streep, Emily Blunt, James Gordon, Anna Kendrick, Chris Pine, Johnny Depp, so many people. Tracy Ullman's in here. I just like saying Tracy Ullman. Tracy Ullman? Yeah, I was surprised too. It's like Tracy Ullman's <laughs> in this? This movie just got better. By the way, I haven't seen this movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Um... But yeah, big fancy musical adapted from the from the play. I know Mark and I are the only ones that have seen it. We we really wanted to get Maxwell on here because he's seen it as well and he has some good opinions on it. But we're gonna have to do it without him. So with that said, Mark Hoban, what did you think of Into the Woods? I thought that Into the Woods was half of a good film. I thought the first half I really enjoyed. I thought the songs were good. It had a slightly subversive take on uh, fairy tales. And it, it kind of combines um, uh, Jack and the Beanstalk, Little Red Riding Hood, Rapunzel, and Cinderella into this story about this guy that needs to get these different objects. It's very well acted. Um, so the first half I really enjoyed. And then um, there's sort of a, a, a kind of a complete switch about 75 minutes into the film uh, and the characters go off in sort of a it's 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 even more subversive, and I think it's to the detriment of the story. Before I, I kind of embraced the characters as sort of lovable and and ridiculous, and then later I actually found a few of the characters actually detestable 
to the point where I no longer wanted to follow them anymore. So my ultimate take on this film is that I have to give it, you know, a thumbs down. I, I didn't care for it because it left me with the feeling of not enjoying it. But 75 minutes in, I, I did enjoy what they were doing. It's, it's very well acted and it's, it's beautifully, you know, photographed and the sets are great and the costumes and all of that. And, and even the story is good up to a point. But then it, it's this disastrous take that it does in the, you know, three fourths of the way through. It just does not recover from. And ultimately, I, I, I didn't enjoy it. I, I do wish we had like another party that could like go into why they like the movie as a whole and not just part of it, because I certainly agree with you. I, I could play the bad guy and I'll just pretend like I'm making some stuff up. Well, as much as we like to play make-believe, Abe, we're just going to talk <laughs> about the movie. Um, I, Because I, I liked the movie overall. I would say I liked it a little more than Mark, enough to recommend it, just because I do think there's enough there that makes it work. And, you know, I'm, people that are, I guess, familiar with it certainly have things to say, I'd imagine, that kind of lends to why they might approve of the way the story turns. But as it stands, I do agree with that the fact that the movie I enjoyed a lot more in its first you know two thirds than the last, and it's it's a bit of a shame because I do think there's a lot of good performances here. There's a lot of things to recommend about it. I think the um, the uh, the main thing actually the main thing I really wanted to praise is that I I really like the look of this movie. I, and I mentioned this a couple times, but in a year where I had Disney's Maleficent, which was just like a bunch of CGI junk. I got into the woods, which is really practical. Like, there's there's not, like, oh. beyond, like, obvious elements of CG where you need it because, you know, there's magic involved or whatnot. Like, the movie's mostly practical design. Like, all the sets are very practical. They're, they're, even there's, like, some rear projection use to make the semblance of giants and whatnot. Like, it's every like the it's obviously not a very expensive movie. I, I can just tell that by looking at it. But at the same time, it's, you know, it's, it's creatively done where it does feel like a stage or, you know, a Broadway show has been brought to the big screen very literally because you're, you know, you're literally seeing physical sets being built and a lot of, you know, fancy costumes and whatnot to make up for the lack of like, here's some CG here, here's some CG there, all that kind of stuff. Um, and to, with that, you have these performances in the movie. I mean, there's Meryl Streep doing the most acting, and then you have other people doing better acting, like Emily Blunt <laughs> and uh, Anna Kendrick and uh, Chris Pine and the other actor that plays the other prince. Um, you, you did, you didn't. I mean, you. So what are you saying? You thought that Meryl Streep was fine, but not up to the level of other people? Yeah, which is basically what I've thought of Meryl Streep for a while now, um, which becomes becomes more and more evident every time I kind of see her these days. But uh, <laughs> I, I thought I, I I'm a big fan of Meryl Streep, and I actually thought that she was just fine. Yes, yeah. she she wasn't. I would not go out of my way to even discuss her being nominated. For, if she, I actually feel like if she's nominated for this film, that's a shame because there's some actress out there that gave a better performance. And I would say there's probably at least 25 actresses out there yeah. that I would put before this. And that's not because she's not good. It's just that the part is just a. It's a witch. I mean, it's you know, it's just your standard witch. And it's like does she break into song? She, she does kind of okay. not as not as sing songy as everyone else, but there's some. Song. No, Anna Kendrick has a really good voice too. Yes. I mean, she's exceptionally good. Actually. Cubs and Two is coming 2015, right? Pitch Perfect Two. Acapella movie, yeah. Yeah, that's happening. Um, <laughs> Question for you guys. Yeah. Uh, so what? Just generally, what about that that third act makes you guys kind of derail? Is it because everything all of a sudden turns? very serious like they're well, trying to not a resolve of, all the issues now it's, it's not a matter of that it turns too serious like i don't mind a movie no. that you know suddenly gets into it so can to speak. i can yeah. i give a slight spoiler i mean it's not gonna really yeah I, yes. away. okay so one thing i loved chris pine and billy magnuson play these whiny princes in the first two-thirds they're, they're i mean they're princes through the whole film 
But the first two thirds, they are kind of they're tweaking with the formula because they're kind of whiny and a little bit a little bit ridiculous and arrogant and, and arrogant. And they sing this song, Agony, my favorite song in the whole production. And mm -hmm. it's hilarious. The, the crowd laughed. I laughed. I, I really enjoyed it. But this this Chris Pine character, uh, after the, the change, he makes a pass at the baker's wife. And she even kind of questions, am I going to am I going to re reciprocate that? That was I was totally they lost me at that point when, when he makes a pass at her. And then she's even kind of concerned. She's with the baker. And now she's considering being with it. It just it's it didn't I didn't like it. What, and yeah. it, it made me not like the characters. And I felt I felt like, OK, I can appreciate that the Chris Pine character is not your standard prince. But for him to make a pass at another right after he just got married to Cinderella is too much. Here's, here's, where my, here's where my issue comes in with kind of the turns it takes. It's not that, like, they happen. It's that in this Disney version of this musical, it seems like there's not enough done to justify certain actions. It he feels does it. It, it, yeah. it. it feels like in the play, what I'm assuming, because I have not seen it, I'm assuming there's probably a lot more work done, or at least the tone of it's a lot more adult skewing to make you recognize why certain things happen while in the disney version it seems like it's been sanitized to a point to make changes happen but not necessarily have a full justification of those things there's certain things that work like johnny depp plays the big bad wolf in this movie and i'm aware that in the in the you know the uh, the broadway version it's a more sexual role and there's a lot more risque business going on with him and the little red riding hood character in a Disney version, of Into, in a Disney version of Into the Woods, you're not going to throw that in there, and so they change it around just enough to make it work for what it is. Uh, other things that occur mostly later on, which involves the deaths of certain characters and things like that, it some of it somewhat comes out of nowhere. Some of it just feels like it's not as it's all over the place totally. Kind of rush too. I, I, it, it, there's a little bit. There's a little bit of a rush for yeah, but uh, it just. There was the death of one character, and I felt like the response was like, oh well, like not even really caring. Mm. I mean, and the it, and you did hit upon a good point. The first two thirds is very G-rated and and kind of seems more sincere and heartfelt, and it doesn't. I didn't pick up on any of that sexual tension between. So that must that obviously was something in the play because it's not in the movie. Oh yeah. Um, but. And there was nothing even remotely really like that in the first. But then in the, the final third, it does get kind of adult. And, and it was like, whoa, something just like flipped the script all of a sudden without any warning. And it, it, it didn't feel organic. It just felt like, OK, let's make this stuff happen. And that's the issue, because I'm not against things happening, as I've said. It's just more of I, it needs, feeling organic makes it, would make it better. And I, I understand that people you know that are familiar with the play, show, musical, Broadway production, whatever – they're expecting it so they know what's to come, but coming into it not knowing anything about this beyond the fact that it's a musical and there's fairy tale characters in it, I wouldn't necessarily think, man, I really hope that we, we throw up the, the murder and sex rates in this in this Disney movie before we end things here or else I'm going to feel gypped. Like, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I will say there's two uh, – one thing that held this whole thing together for me, which is ultimately why I recommend it, is James Corden. I think he's fantastic as the baker. He's great. I, I think he does a, a tremendous job. He's a great singer. He's a great comedic perfor performer. I think he gets the kind of dramatic elements of his character down as well. I, I look forward he's, – obviously, he's becoming more and more popular. He's hosting the what the Late Late Show replacing Craig Ferguson. Like, he's becoming more oh, and more of a – Oh, that's him? 
Yeah. He's he's becoming more and more of a character, or more you know a presence in you know today's celebrity culture. So I look forward to seeing more of him because I like him. I like seeing him in things. He was Good in singing like, voice. He, he was yeah. He's, he's from the he's from the stage. So yeah. He had a he was in Begin Again, small, right? Oh, exactly. I was just gonna mention that. Like Begin Again with uh, Kira oh, Okay. Yeah. He's in that that One Chance movie that like the Weinstein shelved for a long time about like Britain got like based on the Britain's got British Britain's got talent <laughs> thing or whatever. Uh, but no, I like I like that I like James Corden. I like I like seeing him here. I thought he was a did a really good. Him and Anna Kendrick were like my highlights of this movie. I I keep seeing a lot of praise well, for I, Emily Blunt. I don't I she's fine. I don't again I don't know what she did that's I, amazing. But I thought I thought she was good and I and I like Chris Pine quite quite a bit too in this film. Yeah, which is why I'd say Emily Blunt's like fourth for me <laughs> like in terms right. of like the people in the, like the main cast. But... The Johnny Depp, I mean, you could have almost just edited him out of the movie. I don't, it almost is part, I mean, obviously it's part of that fairy tale, so you would expect there to be a wolf, but it really has, it doesn't have much to do with anything. You know, I, you, mean, you I mean, yeah, you, it has a little red riding hood, so it's like, oh, where's the big bad wolf? And it's like, oh, here's, and ladies and gentlemen, here's Johnny Depp. Like, there you I, go. I, <laughs> I, I, wonder, I wonder if his part was, I wonder if his part was edited, because it, it does seem awfully brief. I See, I know there's only like they did like make a song for this movie so that they can attempt to get a best song nomination, and it got cut from the movie. But I don't, I don't think it was had to do with either of them. So, I, I, I mean, I think just the, it, the wolf's part's what the wolf's part is, and it just there's not much for him to do after you know he's done his wolf stuff. <laughs> like this, unless you add a whole other song or something. It's like what else can he do in this movie? Uh-oh. So, kind of a light recommend. I mean, Mark's a little less on it. I'm okay right, with I, it. I'm a, I'm a light not recommend and oh I like think, not recommend yeah I, I i would not recommend the film okay but 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 just barely i mean it i liked i mean i'm telling you like i wrote this in my review if if you go i mean who would do this but i would say you could just leave after 75 minutes after the first sort of there's sort of like an ending and, it, and then i would have probably walked out kind of like happy with the film and i get it i know people are going to say oh well the whole point of the film is to be subversive but if if that is the way the play is, then maybe I just don't like the play. And the other thing is, I think, you know, a play, it is longer. There's an intermission, so you have a chance to kind of, like, regroup and then come back. I mean, this movie was long. So that would – there's a lot of things about a play that would work in its favor. So I'm not necessarily saying I wouldn't like the play, but I do think that it did have a problem with – with the source i think there is probably a little bit something that could be done with that and yeah for me there's just there's enough there for me to recommend it overall just just not by much and if you're seeking a musical or just something that's generally generally fun for a family it's okay it's an okay pick i I mean honestly i like night at the museum better (laughs) um, and i I surprised myself by saying that but i did i'm surprised (laughs) too um, so yeah it's probably better than Annie. I don't know, but it, I mean, that's, there's there's one thing to go with in terms of the musicals that have come out this year. So that's Into the Woods. So uh, speaking of uh, Johnny Depp, let's uh, move on now and find out what big eyes you have. I don't get it. Okay. You're gonna love this stuff. Why are their eyes so big? The eyes are the windows of the soul. That's why I paint them so big. I've always done it that way. Why are you lying? Sadly, people don't buy lady art, the paintings. 
says Keen. I'm Keen, you're Keen. Smile. We're sold out. They adore you, big guys. He sells paintings, and he sells pictures of the paintings, and he sells postcards of pictures of the paintings. Good God, it's a movement. So, are you flipping for all this? Honestly, I can't believe I live here. I remember when Mama painted that. You're confused. I painted that. All right, so that should have been some of the trailer for Big Eyes. This is the new film from director Tim Burton, who has retained with his screenwriters from Ed Wood, which is largely considered to be one of his best movies, if not his best movie. This film stars Amy Adams and Christoph Waltz as a couple of supposed artists, except one of them might not be as artistic as the other one is, as Amy Adams paints a lot of um, pictures that have characters featuring Big Eyes and Christoph Waltz's character. Uh, these are the these are the Keens, by the way, Margaret and Walter Keen. Uh, he takes credit for them. Uh, this is based on a true story that actually happened, where uh, Walter Keen was taking credit for Margaret Keen's paintings and was making money off of them, with with, uh, with Margaret getting no credit whatsoever. Um, it's an odd story, but interesting one. And with that said, let's go to Jordan. Jordan, what do you think Ooh. of Big Eyes? It seems like, well, I mean, it seems like it is like the, the most animated Tim Burton film that he's made in quite a while. And which is strange because it's like a toned down Tim Burton movie. But after sort of a decade of his heightened aesthetic, a, a Dark Shadow seemed like a, a, a tired attempt. It seemed it, it was a movie that like slogged through each scene. And with Big Eyes, it's so refreshing because there's so much life in it. And because it's so um, subtle and reserved, the parts that are heightened, like, are really, really effective. Like, there's a scene when, I think it's in the trailer, where she's looking around and she sees uh, customers in the store with, you know, big eyes. And it's it's creepy and it, it works perfectly. And after I saw the movie, I went home immediately and started researching um, the Keens? Yeah, yes. Yeah, so forgot the name. The Keens. Because um, I, I just want to know more about him. And there's there's so much like love in the movie. And I think he um, he's the perfect person to direct something like this. Because uh, under another director, I feel it would have been so easy to to mock her and paint you know haha, paint a picture of um, what what she did as sort of a joke, but he really, really appreciates uh, her as an artist. And as a result, you know, I, the, I, and hopefully the audience really comes to respect her. There are a few uh, questions I had, which sort of uh, are a result of most biopics. One was, uh, well, a couple of people sort of drop out in Towards the end of the the film, I wanted to know what what you know what happened to them, but which is why you know you go out and you uh, research it. I think that it's one of Amy Adams's uh, best performances of of her career. I wouldn't be surprised if she gets a nomination. Mark, I loved this movie. I was you know led to believe that it was a good movie, and I, to be honest, I'm kind of was soured on Tim Burton for the last, I don't know how long, but it's it's been a while since I've watched a, a film, yeah, that he's done that I really enjoyed. And this is such a return to just sort of lighthearted, fun films. And I'm talking about things like Beetlejuice and Edward Scissorhands, which in my opinion rank 
right up there with the very best of his work. Um, I think Jordan really touched on something important that I think what made me like this film so much. Margaret Keene, I'm, I'm familiar with her, but I didn't really know a whole lot about her, but I, I was familiar with these paintings and I've always kind of looked at them as a joke. I mean, like this, they're, they're really kind of primitive art. It's accentuates the eyes. It's almost like a crying clown or a picture of a unicorn in my opinion. And that's kind of, I think the way that her work was greeted uh, at the time. However, it did uh, reach a certain amount of acceptance with the masses because it, it did appeal to certain, I don't know, uh, uh, tastes. And I really like the fact that I think Tim Burton really does genuinely like her work. I think he actually has some original Keens. Wouldn't be surprised, and, yeah. And so when he's doing this story, he approached it from a point of view of someone who actually didn't want to make fun of her, but actually kind of elevated her like a real, true, genuine artist on the same level as like, you know, a Picasso or a Kandinsky or something. So I kind of like that because it was refreshing. It wasn't... Um, it wasn't mean in any way. I mean, she, they genuinely uh, treated her like a uh, like like a real artist, and so you get a feel for like her, you know, desire to be recognized as such. And and I thought that the way that the story played out uh, was really good. And you know, I can't give a better recommendation. The same thing that Jordan did. After I saw this film, I went home and I researched more about her. I wanted to learn more about like what happened. I didn't realize that you know, that there, he had taken credit for her work and, and, and then she kind of lived in obscurity at first. And then ultimately she came forward and admitted that she had done it. And I just thought the story was really well done. It's beautifully photographed too. There's some cinematography. It pops with such color and the scenes are arranged uh, in such a way that kind of emphasize like what's happening. Um, it's sort of the suburban sixties. And I, I really, I thought uh, Amy Adams is fantastic. I thought, Christoph Waltz was also his part is not as important, but but still but still pretty, pretty major. I've heard people talk about, you know, when they were considering these different roles as uh, for Oscars, Christoph Waltz is supporting actor. I mean, I would I would put him as best. I mean, I'd put him as an actor in the film. I, I don't know whether he deserves a nomination, but but it, it, he's he's pretty much in a majority of the scenes as well. And I think he's very good. And it does a good job of this explaining how she would allow this man to kind of take over her art and and also kind of the kind of person she was and and the time period and all of that. I think it does. It's quite deep. I mean, it's it's sort of a it's sort of in a, one sense, a very mainstream uh, Tim Burton film. But it actually delves into this subject with a lot of depth. And the more you think about it, I think it. It, it actually has a lot of layers there that I think were quite good. So, I know I, I can't say enough good things about it. So, I, I like the movie. I don't love the movie, but I like it. I think it's it's a nice, you know, it's a nice recharge for Tim Burton, who's, you know, obviously he's... I, I haven't been as big of a fan of him as recently, even though, like, I like Sweeney Todd, which is not too far ago. I mean, it's like, what, 2000, so that was like 2007, and in between yeah. that, it's only been so many movies, Alice and uh, Dark Shadows and Frankenweenie, which... Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not as big of a fan of, of those. Frankly, he's all right, but um, it's nice to see him getting back to not necessarily roots, but just kind of doing something a little different. Like he doesn't have not that I'm you know I'm not personally sick of what Johnny Depp and Helena Bonham Carter bring to his movies. It's just it's nice to see him do something else for a little bit. And with that in mind, I do think Big Eyes is fine. It's like it's a fine uh, 
basically a biopic with Tim Burton's kind of his touch to it, although not as, you know, nearly as um, pronounced as the movies that require a whole, you know, world to be created in order to make it, you know, give that semblance of a Burton picture. Um, my 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 only real issue with the film is that it I think it gets hampered a lot by just kind of standard biopic things. Like, it's like I don't need to have Danny Houston as a narrator for this movie for no reason. I can just see the story as it is. But there's just little things like that that pop up where I'm like, all right, it's it's taken away from what I'm really interested in, which is the main crux of the story involving Amy Adams, Christoph Waltz. And with that in mind, I do, yeah, I do think Amy Adams is terrific in this movie. I think Christoph Waltz is fine here. I think he's 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 cashing in on the Waltz charm. I think that's we've you know come to have known of Christoph Waltz, and it makes sense for a movie like this. It makes sense to have a guy that can he's. He's easily likable because of just the way he talks, the way he kind of pronounces himself. But you can, but we as an audience, I think, are familiar with, familiar enough with Waltz to know that there's kind of a devilish charm going on there, where there's something not right about what he's saying, but you still want to like him anyway. Which that plays to the actor, and that's you know why you cast someone like Christoph Waltz. But at the same time, it's like yeah, that doesn't seem like he's necessarily reaching too much to make this performance work. Like, I, I feel like I could. I've seen him do this role kind of already. I guess that's what I'm getting at. But I think Amy Adams is a huge counterbalance to that, which makes it work. And watching the movie, it's a good-looking movie. That is something I really do like about it. I do think I, – I agree, Mark. I think it is a very well-visualized film with uh, – what's his name? Bruno Del Bono, uh, the cinematographer, who um, he's worked with Burton before. He's worked with um, Jeanette, who did, uh, like, Amelie and and uh, other of his films. Uh, he There's – um. There's a lot of scenes that feature kind of like it's set up in the Bay, it's set up in San Francisco mainly, and there's a lot of scene, and even there's some Hawaii stuff too. There's a lot of scenes where you see like giant backgrounds, like you see these kind of wide shots, and they all look like they're, it's there's it's one thing to have kind of CG to recreate the time period, but it, it feels like it's been done in a way to make it resemble like pictures, like like um like landscape pictures, and I really like that. There's stuff there's stuff like that in throughout this movie that I really enjoy with of Tim Burton kind of making. This film where it it's about art and artists, and so you see a lot of art and artistry throughout it, and I, I thought that was very clever in that way. And then you obviously have like the scene, like Jordan pointed out in the trailer, you know, she's seeing people with big eyes everywhere. Like there's stuff like that throughout that just make it. It, it certainly elevates the material, I would say, because I, I wouldn't say the script is nearly as good as something like Ed Wood, another Tim Burton film, but at the same time, there's enough collaboration going on between Burton, between the screenwriters, between the actors that make it a very a very enjoyable film. Um, just a few things that got kind of that got me kind of caught up in not loving it as much as I would have liked to. I think uh, Amy Adams is definitely the MVP of the film, but I I don't uh, uh, wouldn't underestimate Christoph Waltz. I think he helps us understand how and why she would allow this to happen because I knew the story just from the trailer. Yeah, and I I was just thinking like, oh, he's going to be more of a monster, or he's going to be uh, it's going to be difficult to understand why, but it. it it, it made sense. Like, I, and I could see he was charismatic and, and it did sort of seem like, well, things are going so well, let's just continue. And I, I thought that the film, a lot of times some, some, when you're watching a film, you don't understand the motivation or, and then that kind of, how, it's harder for you to understand the, the story and why it's playing out the way it is. And here I, I totally got it. I thought he, I thought Tim Burton helped me understand the story as good as any director could. I don't see the, I don't see this story ever being done by another director in a better way. I, I thought that he did a really good job of, and and treated it with the amount of, 
lightheartedness that it needed, but at the same time, there was enough gravity to the story that you feel, you know, her pain. I yeah. and they have an incredible chemistry together. It's such a joy to to watch them act um, uh, opposite one another, and it's it's such a smart move to pretty much have it be a two person show. Which it is. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of supporting characters, but yeah, it really is the Amy Adams out Kristoff Waltz hour. Yeah, you have like Jason Schwartzman popping in and out and Danny Houston. But, Justin Ritter. You know, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, that's the character who I sort of have a problem with. And I, I, I would want to know more of the real life story where she she's sort of forced out of the house at one point and you never see her again. And I, I, I just, you know, was... was uh, sort of wondering, well, did this this character in real life never show up again? Did, did she never support her friend ever again? There's some, like, montage scene where he's like, I knew it, or something like that. Like, but Yeah, yeah the movie never really addresses uh, that issue that I had. Um, but that's just a minor quibble. Uh, I, I agree with what both of you were saying about the kind of the chemistry between Adams and Waltz, and I'm not saying that Waltz is bad in this movie. I just feel the way to put it, I guess, is like, I feel like Amy Adams, I'm seeing something from her that I haven't seen before necessarily. Mm-hmm. Whereas Christoph Waltz, I feel like I'm saying, I'm seeing the same thing again. And that, yeah. that's not necessarily, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like you, we've seen, I've seen Denzel do the same performance in a lot of movies and he's, you know, he's Denzel Washington. It works. And Christoph Waltz is a great actor. We, he, he's won two Oscars to prove that he's a great actor. I, I like seeing Waltz performances. It just feels like there's, I don't know if I, for whatever reason, it's just rubbing me a little bit wrong that I, of what I saw from him in this movie, which just felt a little familiar in a way that I guess didn't agree with me completely. You know, why is Christoph Waltz being talked about as supporting actor? I don't know. That, that just is, I mean, the only thing I can think of is just that they thought he would have a better chance in that category because he's, he's up for best actor in Golden Globes. Okay, but like for for the Oscars, I think they're sort of positioning him if if he's going to get a nomination as supporting actor. That's and, yeah, that's that's Weinstein politics. That's why. Yeah, I mean, this, that's... he's clearly the. I mean, he's a he's a major part of this film. And I had heard some stuff about how they had cut some of his scenes and that his part was reduced. I mean, I don't know what what happened behind the scenes. His part is huge. I mean, it's I mean, he it's the two of them. Like you said, it's the Amy Adams Christoph Waltz show and. And it's 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 sort of an equal. Uh, I mean, it's essentially her story, but but he's he's a big big part of it. The of other course. the other thing I got kind of sorry. Hey, what would you have? Where's, where's, oh, yeah. question. Yeah. Is there some sort of comeuppance for Christoph Waltz in this movie? That's what Do I was you... gonna. That's actually what I was exactly what I was gonna get into. There's one of my. I mean, the other kind of that leads into one of my issues of kind of standard biopic stuff is that I, I'm not, a, I'm, I didn't really like the, the courtroom showdown that happens in this movie. I wasn't a fan of the way that played out. And I get that the movie's lighthearted. So you don't necessarily need to take it as seriously as you might want to take other courtroom showdowns, but it just seems so kind of goofy the way it was happening. And like, well, I, know, I, I like the I, ultimate results of it, but just the way people were being treated in there, it's just like, this isn't a courtroom. Like this hasn't happened. And it went on for just a bit too long. I felt. I, I don't want to reveal what happens in the courtroom, but some of his behavior is true. Like that is actually what happened. Like if you read the story, um, he, you know, I don't. I, it's it's better to just see. Fair it, enough, but... and yeah, I, I respect the movie for going. You know, trying to remain true to it. Just see, like with the, 
in line being in line with the rest of the movie it just felt it just felt a little too goofy or i guess and jordan as jordan put it it went on a little too long for me to really i i kind of feel like the climax was wasn't even really the courtroom at all but her on that radio program oh yeah i I mean i kind of feel like that was the part where you kind of raise your fist in the air and say you go girl kind of thing you know it wasn't that courtroom that was sort of like a at least that's the way I took it. I, I feel like the courtroom was just like a little, it's sort of like now it's starting to fade out and here's a little an, an extra. Yeah, it gets to, yeah, it gives you a kind of a, it gives you closure to an extent on these characters. But yeah, it is just the way like the judge was talking to, just things about it just it's like, this isn't a courtroom. It, <laughs> right, it's right. still better than the judge, but still, I mean. <laughs> My name is Judge. And I, I would have liked, I mean, as much as, yeah, it is the kind of Adams Walt show, I would have liked to see more of, you know, I like John Polito, I like I like Jason Schwartzman and Terrence Stamp, I would have liked to see a little bit more of them, but, you know, there was only... But so uh, Jason Schwartzman is, like, he's in it just about the right amount. He's sort of yeah. that, he's representing the uh, the art world. Actually, Terrence Stamp, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, those two are kind of representing the art world, and that's how people, that's, you know, they, and even, anybody can look at her art and see this doesn't look like art in a museum it looks like art on a on a greeting card or on a on a velvet painting or something and and there's not and then what that's what i love about this so much though is that i actually have i mean i have a little bit probably of that art snob in me and when i was watching this i actually kind of respected her like i actually respected her art in a way that i never had before because i kind of understood where she was coming from and she's explaining to her husband where she gets her ideas and and how she comes up with it, I thought that was really good. I didn't expect it to to delve into those kinds of um, uh, ideas, and I think it's because uh, Tim Burton really truly loves this art, and it's good that they got somebody who actually does like her art, and not somebody who's going to be winking and and you know snickering at her from the sidelines. I think that was especially that was uh, at the end when she. She becomes friends with, with Jehovah's Witness. That could have easily been an opportunity for mockery, I feel. Yeah, I yeah. So genuinely. That's a, yeah. very, that's a very good point, Jordan. It that's, is, yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. That, and uh, to, to add to your point, Mark, just about kind of having these characters in there, I guess the things that I'm asking for would just make the movie drag on to like two hours when it's just a quick 140, 145 minutes or so. And I felt fine with that, actually. I mean, I wasn't pining to see more of this movie. I wouldn't say I needed, you know, more fleshing out of things. So, I mean, it, I, I, I probably disliked the movie if it, if it did have, you know, more of this stuff that I'm saying that I don't necessarily want or didn't necessarily see enough of. So, Which I guess comes from, you know, del- apparently deleting some of Christoph Waltz scenes or, you know, taking some stuff out of it or whatever. Um, or Danny Houston entirely, I feel. Again, yes, that that was a thing. But for you me. mentioned like, that already. Yeah. Especially if it leads to more, uh, you know, just Adam's Waltz painting stuff. And like there, I mean, I did enjoy like the or enjoy, but I did appreciate the drama with the daughter, with you know, kind of Amy Adams addressing the fact that she's lying to her daughter about things that she does. She's not comfortable with that. Like there's, I, in a movie that you know is a is a fairly lighthearted drama. I did enjoy for the the parts that were dramatic. I did appreciate what Amy Adams was bringing to those scenes and what she was what she was kind of correlating the problems she had with her life to. So yeah, I, I mean, I really felt. I understood her pain that, you know, she's living in this beautiful house and she has all this money. And some people might even say, oh, well, you know, what what's difference does it make you? And, you know, the other thing, too, that was sort of interesting about Christoph Waltz, his performance, is he made me understand the, what he brought to the table. Despite the fact that he did take over her art and he is the villain and all that, 
he did have this marketing genius. Oh and, yeah, I and agree. You, and and it does make you question: Would she have made it on her own with just her art? It, it it she needed an agent or she needed somebody to kind of promote her and he did bring that so i thought wow you know they're actually he has some nuance to his character that he isn't just a hundred percent bad he did bring her art forward and and he sort of did have the right intentions at first it's just kind of the way yeah. it plays it didn't it didn't ultimately play out that way but but he 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 did bring something and he she even acknowledges that in one scene where he says yeah you you are very charismatic and, you know, but yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree that the move when it takes, you know, it takes minor stabs of societal commentary about the 50s and 60s that I can kind of I see. And you see, you know, how Christoph Waltz's persona plays into that, which is something I can appreciate. And that's actually something that I felt could have been flushed out a little bit more without, you know, making me think, oh, too much runtime. Um, I, I do think I, I could have used more of that to maybe appreciate the movie more if it kind of really gave us more but at the same time i understand completely what you're saying mark and i completely recognize that as well i do see as christoph waltz is not you know he's not out and out villain he's not you know he's he's, he's not a he's he's not the um he he was a big part of her success i think he's, I, not, I, he's I, not the bird that's what i was trying to say i was trying to think if, of the character <laughs> right and, and even at the end he's just so so pathetic that that you 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 just can't hate him <laughs> yeah <laughs> So yeah, I mean, yeah, Big Eyes, certainly a good movie, and certainly a good Tim Burton movie, and a nice welcome change in pace for him. Like, I can agree with all of that for sure. And yeah, I, I also, I'd love to see Amy Adams get a nomination here, and not necessarily win, even though it would be her, like, what, her sixth nomination? <laughs> but um, uh, she's certainly very good in this movie. Yeah, and it is something that I've never uh, seen her do before. Yeah. Do, what do you think her chances are of getting... A Best Actress nomination. I think they're fairly high. Mark, we talked yeah. about this on the um, the awards contender um, episode a couple weeks ago, and I, I think we, we we addressed how Best Actress, while there's certainly a lot of talented actresses and a lot of good performances this year, it's not it's it's not it's not as strong of a category as Best Actor is. It seems. Like, I mean, we have what Reese Witherspoon and um, and uh, what Rosamund Pike for Gone Girl, and this is what I'm struggling just to think of him. <laughs> Oh, well, Julianne Moore. Uh, Julianne Moore for Julianne Moore is like what the front runner right now. I mean, so there's there's people there for sure, and there's you know ones that we'd love to see, I'm sure as well. But I do think Amy Adams is among those that's like you could probably list off the top of your head in terms of 2014's best actress performances. I right. think that's a fair assessment. Emily Blunt apparently. Well, <laughs> but, uh, and 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 I did mention this on the show, but just in passing. But um, Jennifer Aniston seems her profile seems to just keep coming up for this movie that no one has seen or uh, did, I, I don't even know how people are watching it. But mm-hmm. she's also for this uh, movie Cake. Yeah. So Felicity Jones and the Theory of Everything is the other one. Really? Thank you. Yeah, good for Jennifer Aniston. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, that's big eyes. And with that said, Mark, I know um, that's those are the movies you've seen. Uh, those are the ones. Yeah. And with that said, I think you're gonna you're gonna take off now while we still have a couple other movies to talk about. So, uh, Mark, where can people find more of your work online? You can find more of my work on my personal blog, fastfilmreviews.com, and you can also follow me on Twitter, Mark underscore Hoban. Wonderful. Thank you, Mark, for joining us. Thank you, Mark. Uh, thank you, Mark. And thank uh, you. And, and you'll you'll be back soon enough because we do have an epic top ten episode to get to. Oh, he'll be back. I'll be back. Thank you. All right, Mark. Have a good night. All right. Good night. Good night.
All right, now that Mark Hoban's out of the way, Jesus. Lord. Now let's let's uh, let's take a risk on their next one. Let's uh, get to the gambler. Birth, education, intelligence. Just do it. Twenty-one. Talent. Again. Looks. Player wins. I've seen you be half a million dollars up. I've been up two and a half million dollars. You got me feeling lucky. I'm putting everything on black. Rest been coming up all night. You want me to pay you now? Maybe I enjoy watching the show. Nineteen red. What's wrong with you? You got brain damage? That should have been some of the trailer for The Gambler. This is the remake of the 1974 film, The Gambler, starring James Conn. This version stars Mark Wahlberg. It's directed by Rupert White, who brought us Rise of the Planet of the Apes, and it's written by William... Adapt, the screenplay's been adapted from the original James Toback screenplay by William Monaghan, who wrote The Departed, uh, which was adapted from the Infernal Affairs screenplay. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, just to keep, keep, keep everything in line here. No, 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 no stone unturned in these. Um, yeah, Mark Wahlberg stars as a literature professor by day, gambler by night. Uh, he has a, a crushing addiction, although he doesn't really call it an addiction. But he, it's not necessarily about winning. Let's just say that. And with that in mind, uh, Jordan, what do you think of The Gambler? This is a, sort of the types of remakes that I want to see more of. I had never uh, heard of the original Gambler until... Uh, this movie came about and I watched it the other night in preparation for uh, for the remake and it's a movie I would have never uh, I mean probably never have seen without without hearing of this this film and I think both of them actually are just as good there's not one I prefer over uh, the other I think they both do very interesting things with the character and the the remake is just a different interpretation, and it's it's great. And I love these types of stories where it's sort of the the uh, ticking clock. Let me. Uh, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just want to stop you for a second just to say the gambler. There's actually like the, this. It's a remake, yes, and there's also like an original story. Um, uh, from uh, it's an it's like an old old. Um, it's based on like an old gambler book that's been adapted a lot of times. It's a, sorry, Dostoevsky. That's what I'm trying to get to. It's a yeah, There's a, yeah, there's a yeah, short yeah. Dostoevsky novel called The Gambler, and there's been a number of film adaptations since then. So, sorry, Jordan, continue. Well, now that I've been schooled here, um, I'm going to have to go out and see uh, the rest of them now. But yeah, I, I think the acting is amazing. I, I thought Mark Wahlberg was so good in this movie. And I read an article where he sat in classrooms, uh, lecture halls, and he studied the mannerisms of teachers. And I think it really paid off. <laughs> the, See, the scene, he, he really uh, sells uh, his his profession of being a professor. And you, you say you say this, and that's the one thing that I dislike about this performance. I don't. I didn't buy him at all as a professor. I liked everything. Oh, about, I, 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 I liked everything. Yeah, else yeah about, I thought that was going to be the funny part. I liked the, everything uh, else trailer. about Wahlberg in this movie. I think he does so much good in this movie, except for the professor stuff. Him just walking in like in between the seats and pointing people out in class and stuff. It's like no professor does this. I've never seen. This. I, I had a professor <laughs> did exactly that. Who would like just sit like just point out one of the best students in the class as being the best one, and then going into like her mother's alcohol addiction. Like there's no no professor's doing this. <laughs> Okay, well that part, but <laughs> go on, go on. I'm sorry, I did. Like that's the one thing that's no, like that I, bugged me. I've, I've totally had uh, professors who were just completely rude to some oh, of the yeah. students. I, I can believe and... 
the certain a, a certain theatricality about professors, but just for some reason, Wahlberg as a professor just did not do anything for me. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm I mean, sorry. Let's move on. Let's move. Uh, what else? What else do you like? <laughs> sorry. Uh, I thought he and uh, Brie Larson had great chemistry. Unfortunately, the movie doesn't really give her a lot to do. Oh yeah. Um, which is a shame because she's so great in the film. The few scenes she's in it. Which, and is the same, really... which is the same as the original, too. The original has, like, the female character that doesn't have much to do either, which is a shame, right. but, yeah, it's not really, like... But um, but this movie at first seemed like it was going to give her more to do. Yeah. And I thought she was going to be a more prominent uh, figure in, in the in the film. But, at, but the then... same, at the same time, I'm also happy that she didn't, like, turn up, you know, tied up and, like, you better give us this money or we kill her kind of thing. Like, yeah. There's none of that, so yeah. that's good. <laughs> that's, that's very good. Uh, tied up by... Uh... What's Michael, the, Williams. Uh, Michael Williams, Omar, who's 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 great, and um, it's it's just peppered with amazing actors in it, like John Goodman and even um, Richard uh, Schiff as the yes. the jeweler. He pops up. Our, our Toby Andre, himself. Yeah, Andre Brower pops in for one scene. Bubs. Jessica Lange. Yeah, and if um, I read on IMDb that. Uh, Leland Orser was in it, but I didn't see him. In I didn't the movie. see him anywhere. Yeah, I keep seeing. I, I assume he's deleted somewhere, or he's just unrecognizable because everyone loves that Leland Orser. <laughs> so, <laughs> George Kennedy pops up for the opening scene. He's like George. I didn't know he was still alive. Which is, yeah. I'm sorry to say that, but I, I, mm-hmm. I, I thought he actually died. And I thought the um, the use of songs, the soundtrack is great, isn't it? It was, and some of the songs are a bit. Too on the nose, yeah, and so many way. times that I find that irritating in films, but it really worked here. Yeah, for for some reason, it I, I I was fine with it, and it really added to the scene. It's a beautiful like it. There's a there's a scene of Brie Larson just like walking, and she has like her iPod on. She's listening to this song called "Poor People," and I love that scene. It's it's cut like a music yeah. video, and it just like mm-hmm. it, it just so it's so like you just see this kind of this happiness in her face as she's walking all around. And then eventually she finds Wahlberg just like waiting for the bus and she picks him up. And it's just like this wonderfully cut sequence. And that's something I really like about this movie in general. I think the direction is fantastic. Um, I oh, think Rupert, Ra- I, Rupert Wyatt is amazing. Yeah. I like the, um, the, there are issues I have with the film overall, but as far as kind of the way, it, the way this movie is kind of put together, it's so it's, it's really well done. Like I look forward to seeing what else Wyatt does. It, Rupert Wyatt does in the future because it, it's a really well-directed movie. I think that for, you know, being a basically a character drama about a guy that you're not supposed to like, it's a very likable movie and a very enjoyable one to watch. And that mm-hmm. there's a lot of credit to give to Rupert Wyatt on direction out there. Uh, William Monaghan, his dialogue, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's good. Like, it's really kind of rat-a-tat, like, everyone, yeah. has, every, everyone has something clever to say at any given moment kind of dialogue, which is, you know, it's not realistic, but it's still, you know, it's fun to listen to. But, I mean, it's a heightened world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's a, it's a heightened kind of society or, you know, world that everyone's living in. Michael K. Williams and Mark Wahlberg in particular and John Goodman, of course, they have just these electric scenes together that are really well handled. And, yeah, Wahlberg, what I like about him in this movie, aside from the professor stuff, which is ultimately what makes me dislike his <laughs> which is why I wouldn't call it his best performance, but certainly it's a very different one. Where I think in mm-hmm. a lot of the movies that we've seen Wahlberg in recently, it either relies on him being very beefed out or just funny. And I like yeah. Bunny Wahlberg. I like Ernest Bunny Wahlberg. That's yeah. It's no pain and gain. It's no pain and gain. It's no Ted. <laughs> um, it's it's far from Lone Survivor. It's 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 a it's a Wahlberg who's he's not being earnest. Like he's not an earnest Wahlberg, and that's I, mm-hmm. he leans on that a lot as an actor. 
and sometimes that works really well. Uh, sometimes it doesn't work as well. But like, I like to like like the fighter is a good example where I like him a lot in that movie because he's not he's not necessarily being like, come on guys, let's do this. He's just he's more of he's very passive. In this movie, he's like the definition of passive because he's he literally doesn't give a fuck about anything, <laughs> like, right. and it's 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 frustrating to watch, but in a good way where you're like you're seeing this man win forty thousand dollars. And instead of, you know, taking some of that, he puts it all back on the table again and bets it again. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't want to stop doing this. You have debts. Like, I need to, yeah. need to do this. He's trying Even, to win uh, against the house, Aaron. And there's just, like, these scenes that are yeah. just impossible to, like, not be, like, tense during. All of that said, I would say, I mean, I think James... I mean, Wahlberg's fine, but James Caan is fantastic in the original Gambler, and I, that's why I ultimately would like that movie more. But in terms of like a slick production of a new take on that story, it's a it's certainly well worth seeing. It's a, it's fine oh, yeah. entertainment, and it, it never um, and it, it never really redeems him. Even oh yeah, at the yeah. End, like it 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 sort of suggests that yeah he's just going to continue this uh, in the future. This which, which, this uh, self destructive pattern like it hasn't ended when the when the credits roll, which is why it's. It's kind of hard to be like super up on it because it's like, well, there's no real arc for Wahlberg. He's just kind of no. he's playing this character and he played it. Like there's no real like turn for him or anything. Mm-hmm. He, he meets some people. He you know gets into some questionable situations. He interacts with Jessica Lange for a bit as his mother, and that's about it. Like the movie, it's very, it's very cut and dry in what the premise is. It's like he owes people money. Like that's the movie. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there's, like, there's only so I, I much there. Like this but could yeah. be like any any random week in any given month. Like it just, yeah, it's yeah. never ending. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's just really well put together. It looks great. It's well directed. Oh, yeah. The music's great. Uh, the dialogue's really fun in a lot of instances. I have issues here and there with Wahlberg as a professor and the way, yeah, the kind of the lack, of, basically the lack of women in this movie, the lack of kind of characters for women in this movie. And I know Abe's favorite actor, Emery Cohen from uh, The Place Beyond the Pines, is in there, and he's you know he's doing his thing. Is he is he also another punk ass in this movie? Uh, he has more. He, he, no, he's not annoying. He's just kind of okay. around for like a. Scene. Does he have his New Jersey accent? I forget if he has an accent. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. But uh. Hmm. But yeah, I mean overall the movie, it's certainly it's like a fun movie to watch for sure. I would I yeah say that. And John Goodman. No, it's, by the way, it's not going to change your life. It's just really well done. Yeah. And it's, you know, it has a level of intelligence to it. Like, it doesn't feel like it's, it's not insulting me at any point. Like, it doesn't feel like it's, you know, it's going out of its way to, like, make things too explicit or whatnot. It's just, it's very to the point in what it's trying to do. It had, which is what I, well, a lot of what I like about Rise of the Planet of the Apes. It kind of lets you figure things out as you're going along. It doesn't kind of lay everything, it doesn't necessarily lay all the cards on the table. Am I right? (laughs) (laughs) Waka, waka. Yeah, it never panders to the audience. There you go. Thank you. It doesn't pander. <laughs> that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, that's the gambler. So would you say say uh, go see it in the theaters or uh, watch it at home? Ah, uh, you can you can see it in a dollar theater. You don't need to race out to see it in the theater necessarily. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I I agree. Yeah. All right, let's move on to uh, keep this moving. Keep talking to each other as we get to the interview. The CIA would love it if you could take him out. Hmm? Take him out. Like for drinks? Like to dinner? Take him out in the town? No, uh, take him out. You want us to kill the leader of North Korea? Yes. What? Hello, North Korea! We 
might die, but we'd be total dickheads if we didn't do this. I've had a great life. I had the best, best friend. More women than Ellen DeGeneres. Uh, that should have been some of the trailer for the interview. This is, of course, the Seth Rogen, James Franco, near-world-ending film about two guys who host a talk show that want to go- that get the chance to interview Kim Jong-un, uh, played by Randall Park, of course, the dictator of North Korea, and they take it upon themselves to do so while also being enlisted by the CIA to take out Kim Jong-un, as in assassinate him. This is, of course, a highly controversial film because no film should ever have to <laughs> go about making fun of North Korea. No film has done that before. Um, not one. Uh, but here we are. It's out now. America's prevailed in being able to see the interview. And with that said, Jordan, what did you think of the film? Before we go any further, I yeah. completely forgot to say something. To, to ask you uh, a, a completely ridiculous question about the gambler. Yeah, oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to ask now. There's a moment where uh, it's a storm, and you see the outside of it, and the water's rushing down where, his, where uh, Wahlberg's house is. Mm-hmm. And it looks exactly like the um, universal, universal tr- tram ride. Yeah. Where you see the, the the water coming down the the little what is that Mexican village? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks exactly like that. Yeah, I got that impression too. It's Mark like, Wahlberg okay, travels good. to Mexico to play cards. <laughs> and the whole time during that scene, I was like, oh, I need to ask Garrett about this. Yeah, I got I got that exact same impression. Okay. So I'm curious where the what the, where the set was exactly. <laughs> that was That's it. It's it's a completely ridiculous question, but I I, I had to ask. Okay. okay. Moving on. Jordan, what did you think of the interview? Um, you know, the, the the more I think about this movie, the more and more I love it. And it's 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 come to a point almost where I love it just as much as this is the end and maybe more than neighbors. And and seeing it with a packed house, you know, certainly did helped you, a lot. Did you see it in a theater then? I did. Mm-hmm. I did. I did not just my packed house with my my wife and my cat. For those uh, for those that are I guess not quite aware for whatever reason the interview is because of the various controversies which we'll talk about later on. I mean the, the movie was only available in various uh, art house and independent theaters which is about 300 screens around the country over this Christmas period along with uh, being available on Google Play for streaming and download and YouTube. Yes. And one thing that I, I really loved about this movie was the editing and pacing. One of the uh, problems I had with This is the End and Neighbors over the summer, I felt like the second act like really dragged a whole lot for me. And I love both those movies, but it's just that second act for both those films I had a problem with. But this film, I, I felt the editing and the pacing was perfect for me throughout the entire running time. And especially when you get to North Korea, I felt every scene advanced the narrative. And the chemistry between everybody is fantastic. And which a a sort of a a, a running theme throughout these these movies that I saw is great chemistry between between the actors. Um, Even when there's like something that Seth Rogen or James Franco produces that I don't really like, I still always appreciate it. And I love seeing these guys on screen. 
<laughs> I, I I had a lot of fun with this movie. I yeah. um, regardless of the things that led up to me seeing this movie, I ultimately really enjoyed this movie. Um, I wanted to see it to begin with, and I was happy I did. Um, I would agree with you that I agree with you to a point about the kind of the the way that the the like the filmmaking involved, where I think uh, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, who wrote and directed the film, they've essentially just learned what they learned from their first film, which is this is the end in terms of directing. And have done a better job this time around because they're just, you know, they got more used to directing and more used to like what kind of movie they wanted to put together. Um, so in that respect, I do think they did a better job as directors this time around, along with just other aspects. I think there's, you know, it's a it's a good looking movie for sure, and there's just things about the editing and whatnot and the pacing. That said, I still would say I like this is the end a whole lot more, and I, I'd say probably the same about Neighbors too. Um, for various reasons, it's not. It's a little bit of splitting hairs, but I, I do think the interview kind of comes up shorter than those two specifically. Um, but the, yeah, that's, that seems to be most people's uh, opinion. Yeah, but it's I also, fine. but I, but I also did laugh hard. I've seen the movie twice at this point, and I laughed, <clears> laughed hard. I got it off of Google Play, and I downloaded it because I'll pay as much money as I could <laughs> to, yeah. to rub it in the face of the people. Um, but I, I did like this movie quite a bit. I, I um, there's a lot of. There's there's certain lines that keep making me smile when I think about the movie, which I think is always a good sign. But I think um, Seth Rogen and James Franco, they're so much fun together. Like, I'm a big fan of Pineapple Express. And so, like, specifically in terms of kind of Rogen and Franco directly interacting with each other as, like, a, as like a pairing. And so this movie's like, I get more of that? Good. Yay. And I like seeing these two characters they play this time around where Rogen's kind of playing this kind of exacerbated uh, got or exa- exacerbated um, figure who's dealing with Franco's nonsense, and Franco's just completely over the top, and that's fun. But then Randall Park comes in as Kim Jong Un. Randall Park, who's like he's on Veep and a lot of a number of other um, uh, comedic shows, yeah. like just pops up here and there. He's amazing as Kim Jong Un. His performance is fantastic. It, it's so much fun to like to see what he does with his character, and just like, everything involving kind of North Korea. While it's not very it's not really – it's not much of a satire. Like, it's really not trying to delve into North Korean politics and really no. skew it at all. Like, it's it's just a – it's a silly comedy. It just happens to have North Korea as a setting. Um, and, yeah, that could – if it was, you know, if it was, it was, like, in the loop or, like, I don't know, Dr. Strange or something that's really, like, trying to skewer the politics involving this story, then, yeah, it could have been perhaps better. But as a, just a silly comedy, I did laugh a lot because of just the silliness going on here. I think there's a lot of fun stuff with, with Franco, with Rogan, with Randall Park, with this a- actress, Deanna Bang, who plays, like, the minister of pop- propaganda, who, like, oh, Seth Rogen interacts. She's great in this movie. And there, then there's just a lot of random cameos towards the beginning, especially because of this talk show that Franco hosts. Like, there's just so much, so much goofy fun going on here. And then at the core of it, it has the same thing that Rogan and Goldberg have done in all their films, which is, you know, making a film about friendship which is the same that's been in Superbad and Pineapple Express, and this is the end. Like, they're all movies about friendship, essentially. And this movie puts that on its head because the second act is essentially Franco and Kim Jong-un becoming friends and <laughs> testing those limits because of how Kim Jong-un is presenting himself as one thing, and he really is a fan of... Uh, fran, uh, <laughs> he's a fan of Franco's character uh, in the movie, Dave Skylark. But he's also Kim Jong-un. And so it's like the way that dissolves and the way Franco and Rogan, like their friendship is tested, just things like that just makes me like this movie for what it is, which is not like the most hilarious of their comedies together, but certainly one that I was just laughing at a lot from. See, I thought of, I, I really think it's it's one of the funniest films they've done together. Like I, I really laughed a whole lot. And thinking about it, like I said, like I keep laughing 
at moments in the film. Like there's this one moment at the very beginning uh, with a cameo of an actor who doesn't say anything. He's just like in a den with dogs. And yep. it's so yeah. great. <laughs> there's little it's, bits like that. Yeah, I completely agree. And yeah, and 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 like there are other films, of course. They give layers to to all the characters, especially Kim Jong Un, mm-hmm. and even like towards the end, he's not really depicted as like this 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 most horrible human being on earth. Like you you really like the guy. Yeah, that's the that's, thing. The crazy thing about like their this version of North Korea is that it's if anything it's toned down from the actual North Korea. Like, yeah. It's, so and, you, and even though he is there's just this crazy human being, he's he's just really likable. He's he's funny and he's he's vulgar. I and, mean, it's I mean, his, it's awful as like Saddam Hussein in the South Park movie, or Kim Jong Il in the Team America. <laughs> like, yeah, and uh, I I don't know the actress that played um, the the secretary, Diana Bank. Yes, I I love how she's introduced as this this one note character, but throughout the film, like she's so much more and it gives her so much to do. And like, she is like the most important character in the film by the time it ends. And the tank scene at, at the end, there's this, this chase with the tank and the helicopter. And it's just as thrilling as, as any action there's, moment. The way, yeah. It, 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 it certainly builds, it builds and builds into some great stuff. Especially there's like a fight scene that takes place towards the end as well. That has some, reversals that I did not have to see coming. It's just, it's yeah, I mean, there's a lot of... It, as it gets more and more ridiculous, I like the movie more, actually. Where, mm-hmm. Like The beginning, I feel like the, it, the beginning is just kind of slow for me. I think that's what old, that my kind of issue with it, where it, like, it has these bits here of like certain certain celebrities popping up in this in this, in this talk show, and that's funny stuff. It's just kind of getting getting to North Korea was like, not a slog, but it's more of like all right, but we're, I know where we're going, so let's get there. That's kind of where my head yeah. is at. As, uh, as much as I, I think the second act is an improvement, I felt the first act um, was almost a step backwards, whereas, like, okay, you're here to see the interview, and it takes a while it's to get they, to that, to they, that, they to really get to that wanna, moment. They really want to justify why they're going to North Korea, which I can respect True. to an extent, but it's like, yeah. let's go, we know where all this is going, guys. <laughs> let's get to that point. Yeah. And I can only assume there's probably a much longer cut that has even more stuff before they go to North Korea, so they mm-hmm. did what they could. Um, but I, I just love how they're able to make these films these crazy premises, and and for some, for some strange reason... They have so much talent, and it works every time. And I feel like the premise is that shouldn't work. Like this is the end, where they're all playing themselves, and and it's it's a film that shouldn't be that good, and it's amazing. And it's it's the kind of thing where I talked about this when I talked about horrible bosses a couple of weeks ago, where it's like, what? Why do I? Why do I need a sequel to Horrible Bosses when I can just get the same guys doing something different? And that's what I'm getting with James Prigo and Seth Rogen and Jonah yeah. Hill and all these guys. Like, they continually make different movies. Like, you can accuse them of playing the same character, which I don't think is very true at all. But no, but no, at least no. they're, like, in, they're not in sequel after sequel to their own movie again. Like, they're make, they're getting up with these crazy premises. They're do, they're getting all these, like, random actors to be in these movies. Like, it, it's just – and it's and it's fun. Like, I mean, far, I, I'm not – I mean – I know some people just want to cross their arms and say Seth Rogen's not funny. He laughs too much. Like, but I'm not that person. I'm I'm person someone mm-hmm. that's just really laughing at all these movies all the time. They just make me laugh, and they're and they're, yeah. gen- and they're they're generally pretty clever and sharp and witty. Like, and that's all good stuff in my eyes. Yeah, and something like 
horrible horrible bosses two or or Dumb and Dumber two, which were just such a chore to sit through, and and you, I felt like everybody in the film was in it just for the paycheck, and it's so refreshing to see something like the interview, where it's so apparent that so much um, work when went into it and so much passion went into this film that that even if it doesn't work for someone they can't deny the um the the work that went into it for sure um how's lizzie kaplan she's fine she doesn't get much to do but she's fine there's she's part of this running joke involving the word honeypot that i'll (laughs) i'll just leave it at that (laughs) but it's this joke that goes like throughout the entire movie that's pretty funny which this movie has a lot of it has a lot of just random like it's it's like yeah it doesn't have much like it say about north korea besides like it sucks there but in terms of like running gags and the way people talk to each other there's just so much there that makes me like laugh a lot like there's a, there's a lot of running jokes about like the lord of the rings which is funnier and better than anything i've seen in those past three hobbit movies so it's mm-hmm. like this is just great stuff between with james franco trying to relate to seth rogan in Lord of the Rings terms, <laughs> for just like for just random reasons, it's hilarious. And he's like a, and James Franco is a huge Tolkien head too, which shows. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Which is, yeah. yeah. There's which a key line that I don't Superboard. like. I don't like saying because it's too funny for me to mention it. But it's just it's my favorite line of the movie where Jordan. It's basically you're you're this person, and that's such a something that this person would say, and that oh, line, yeah. that line kills me. <laughs> um, <laughs> And that running gag, yeah, it really pays off at the end. Like, yeah, there's yes. that moment at the end because they set it up in like the second scene of the. And there's of a the lot. Film. There's a lot of yeah. There's a lot of great setups of this movie that kind of pay off jokes later on, mm-hmm. which is something that like Edgar Wright's really good at doing. Like those his the Cornetto trilogy is just. I mean, there's still jokes you find now when you watch them for like the seventeenth time that like That's never true. registered for you before. And these guys are pretty much the uh, the American Edgar Wright and and uh, Simon Pegg. Do we have anything we want? So the, the, the movie, yeah, Jordan and I, we like it. So you know, see it if you want to. It's it's out there. You can see it. You can. It's the it's pretty much the easiest movie you can go see among the movies that we talked about today because you can buy it right away. Um, mm. But with that with that in mind, do, do, is there anything we want to address involving the the various controversy involving the interview and its release and whatnot? Abe, do you want to get anything? Well, question is just you guys had mentioned that it actually shows that uh, North, uh, Kim Jong Un. Not in a terrible light, per se, even though it's all just mocking. Just more of, uh, did you guys think that there was anything super inflammatory about this movie? I mean, in, like, kind of surface terms, sure. I mean, it is yeah. a movie that's essentially, it's it's saying what a country is, what we, mm-hmm. you know, everyone in the world knows it to be, and it's making fun of that. It's not necessarily laughing, like, at the people of North Korea. It's laughing at Kim Jong Un, and not even the real Kim Jong Un, but this other version of him, this you know this fictionalized version of him. Um, it comes down like if because there's so many tricky things about what happened involving the if it if it even was related to the interview directly, which the words I guess kind of still out on that perhaps like there's yeah, but we don't exactly know. I mean it's we may never know. It certainly it feels more like a this if controversy around the interview happened because of what the story is by reading it in a sentence rather than actually seeing the movie. It's not like Kim Jong-un or whoever in North Korea saw this movie and then said, well, this is offensive. We should rail against it. It's more like, <laughs> what? This movie exists? We should rail against it. So, 
yeah, I, that, that's that's how I, that's the best way I can say it, really. So we should just go see it and not feel bad and also support. Oh God, of, yeah, no, yeah. no one should feel don't bad. Don't feel about bad at all. No. <laughs> all right. It's it's a it's an enjoyable film. If you, if you want to feel <laughs> bad, go see a Lars von Trier movie. Feel like <laughs> go, go see something that's like actually offensive. Like like this this is this is a Seth Rogen Evan Goldberg stoner comedy. Like, there's nothing here. Danny, uh, what's what's his name? Um, not Danny Chung. Um, that's the character he plays on Veep. Randall, um, Randall Park. Randall Park. Yeah. Randall Park. He, I mean, he he's not going to get an Oscar nomination. But, but do you think it's Oscar worthy? I think, um, it's tricky because it, worthy, perhaps. I do think he this should like this should be the movie that makes him a breakout actor, and I think because of what's happened. It won't be the case now, and that's unfortunate mm-hmm. because he's terrific in this film. Like he is. He's already like, I mean, people. If you see him, you recognize him for various things. He's like, basically, I mean, it's. I, I apologize for saying this, but it's like, hey, that's that funny Asian guy on things. Like that's really the best way to say it because you know he appears in Veep as a as, this, as, as like a, a a Republican senator as a Republican senator who's like claims to be a war hero and he like play he 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 makes fun of him like. <laughs> it's the the way he approaches com- comedy in that show is amazing to me. And he's on the show what Fresh Off the Boat now on ABC, which <laughs> the, the, the title already just throws you off. It's like really <laughs> come on ABC, get it together. Um, <laughs> but um, but he's he's a really he's a really funny actor. And I I like I I wish like this movie would be like man Randall Park's amazing. We should give him more things now. And I just that's not gonna happen now. I I should say it's not gonna happen. But I mean it certainly seems less likely. Um, which is unfortunate because yeah he he's really good in this movie like he is it's clear it's easily a breakout performance for sure well the good good thing is hopefully like if if he won't break out with this movie he might break out with with their next movie if if hopefully they put him in who knows because everybody in these movies like shines nobody just uh, is a weak link. Like Timothy Simons, who's also on Veep, who plays Jonah on Veep. He has like a brief role as like <laughs> like a PA or sort of like an assistant on the talk show, and he has like a couple lines that just kill me. <laughs> mm-hmm. He has one like he's, he doesn't even have a line. He's, he's just shrieking at one point, and it kills me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's a it's a funny movie. There's a lot of good stuff in it. Like I, I it's unfor- it, The other unfortunate thing is that there's so much that's going to be put into the. That's it. That's what all the hubbub was about, which is also a shame. It's like it's not like it. It, it didn't ask for this to happen. And I, yeah. I, and anyone that still thinks this is some kind of Sony publicity stunt it, is a moron. I mean, there's no other yeah. way to say it. I mean, there's, there's no, no studios hemorrhaging millions of dollars to make a movie that would already be successful because Seth Rogen and James Franco movies make a lot of money. They're not saying, you know what, we should show this in. 3,000 less theaters to make more money. <laughs> like, that was, that's, like, that's not what anyone's saying. <laughs> and for me, I thought it lived up to, to the hype. I, I was very satisfied with it. I, I, I was... I, I loved it, like I said. I was I certainly satisfied. I'll be happy to watch it again. Um, especially because I own it. So it's like I can watch it whenever I want to. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, I could, I could say I'm not necessarily let down, but I... It's not like it's not like the be all end all comedy for me of the year, uh, but it's certainly a, a very funny one, a very creative one, and it's, mm-hmm. it's and it's a well put together. Like the soundtrack's great, the cinematography's really good from Brandon Troust of the FP. Oh, of really? Course. Yeah, he's, mm-hmm. he does all of these movies. Like he nice. he, is, he is a very. I mean, you look you look. I'm gonna read off the the Brandon the Brandon Troust movie, McGruber, 
uh, crank high voltage. <laughs> this is the end. Neighbors, like he he certainly has this kind of this kind of MTV aesthetic where it's like a lot of fast cutting and whatnot. Like there's something, but it seems like there's there's something there to it. Like it seems like he's bringing something to these movies when I when he shoots these movies. There's there's atmosphere created and whatnot that that apply that fit with the movie. Something that I like about Neighbors is how I really like the direction in that film. I think Nicholas Stoller did a great job in kind of putting together a frat house comedy mixed with the kind of the the mundaneness of Seth Rogen and Rose Rose Byrne's characters. And I think there's kind of a starkness to the North Korea scenes that shows that blends with kind of the zaniness of what Franco and Kim Jong-un get up to, especially in terms of some of the music choices, which I'm not going to reveal. But, Jordan, you know what I'm talking about. There's one key (laughs) music cue in this movie that that reoccurs that's very important to the film. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um but I, I think out of all the comedies this year the interview is the film that i'll most likely uh revisit in years to come eh, and, 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 and may not be one my... that has some things that are kind of awesome that i'll be Wait, which one <laughs> kind of awesome yeah, maybe some things are awesome, or maybe everything is awesome. I don't, I don't know. But um, I talking about Dumb and Dumber too. Exactly. Talking about, the talking Lego about, talking movie? about Dumb and Dumber too. You got it, Jordan. Nailed it. The Lego Nailed movie. Nailed the Lego head. movie. Dumb and Dumber too. No reason to say anything else. It's oh, Dumb Lego Dumber too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like I, I completely forgot about Lego Movie. I'll revisit both of them equally. How about that? Equally. Yes. If I watch Lego Movie, I'll immediately watch the interview. Everyone will be happy. <laughs> And no one will know. <laughs> so, with all that in mind, I think we've uh, I think we've talked about all the movies, guys. Oh, a huge slew of movies. Yeah, and um, so what's next week? What's next week? It's our top ten show. Oh. Top ten. Top ten. Oh. So, with that in mind, Jordan, can people find you anywhere on the internet that you want to recommend? Oh, you can go to Twitter at Amsterdam Chap. Okay. Abe. You can find more fun stuff at walrusmoose.buzzer.com and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Hashtag beep. You can find more of my work at thecodazeek.com at whysoblue.com where I'm putting up a lot of top ten lists so far this year. And, of course, on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. And, yeah, this has been a fun bonus episode. You can find all the other real episodes at outnowpod.podomatic.com, SoundCloud, Facebook.com, podcast, Twitter.com, underscore podcast, iTunes, of course, hhwlod.com, just everywhere you can find podcasts. You can find out now there and and, um, We're basically the number one search uh, result whenever you type in out now with Aaron. Wha. <laughs> um, yeah, wha. yeah. Wha. So with all with all that in mind, Jordan, thank you for joining us to talk. Oh, to thank you. Oh, it's been so much fun. And um, with all that in mind, I think that's going to do it. So until next time, so long and goodbye. Poor people are poor people, and they don't understand. A man's got to make whatever he wants And take it with his own hands Poor people, stay poor people And they never get to see Someone's got to win in the human race If it isn't you, then it has to be me So smile while you're making it Laugh while you're taking it Even though you're faking it Nobody's gonna know Nobody's gonna know No use mumbling It's no use grumbling Life just isn't fair There's no easy days There's no easy
Just get out there and do it And sing and sing your song Laugh while you're getting on Smile and string along And nobody's gonna know Nobody's gonna know Did you see how big those eyes were? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Christoph Waltz gave another Academy Award winning performance. It was just Hans Landa in a Hawaiian shirt painting. Yes. Why, why am I the only one doing this? <laughs> I, don't know what to, I don't know what to add to it.